you have another set of outcomes that we other people have done a lot of research on, which are a little bit more in the medical public health area, where we know that the kids who are more exposed to the ads are more likely, and the programs which contain the products, because it's not only the direct ads when you're talking about things like alcohol and tobacco, it's seeing them used in movies that turns out to be extremely powerful, but more likely to uh, smoke, to drink alcohol, um, to uh, have violent behavior, of course, to gain weight, uh, eat junk food, and become obese. All of those things are related to marketing now. So yeah, what, what sort of defense does the industry give when presented with this sort of information or these sort of points? What What is the defense that not only this is just something the parents should worry about, but actually is there someone saying, hey, all this advertising to kids is good. This is really great. Well, there are actually a few people saying that, but I don't think they're all that credible. Um, the The... The bigger the bigger line is, oh, we're actually powerless, and our ads are powerless. I mean, on some level. So, for example, if you if you look at the debate about smoking and drinking, their biggest one is they deny that they target kids, which is false. I mean, kids are underage kids are exposed to more alcohol advertising than legal age drinkers in this country. So they, they are targeting, they're very sophisticated about it, and it's hard to catch them with intentionality. But they say we don't affect the likelihood or the frequency of drinking and smoking, only the brand choices. But that's not true, I and mean, the research shows that's not true. Uh, I want to thank you so much, Juliet Shore, for being our guest today on Media Matters. Juliet Shore is the author of the new book, Born to Buy, The Commercialized Child and the New Consumer Culture. Again, thank you so much for joining us. I was honored. Thank you. Okay, we got you, kid. Ready? Hi, I'm Abby Hoffman. On the run, just listening to WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor, Michigan. All right, start it up. (laughs) Goodbye, Joe. Me gotta go. Me, oh, my. Shut up. Try the other one. Shut up! Okay, try that one. There's bugs in my brain. I can't feel anything. Shut up! WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Where the truth, where the truth cannot, cannot be silent. It must be a lie. Good for you. And a noisy one, too. Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And it's just about as steamy down here as it is outside. <clears throat> Strangely enough, the only part of the Student Activities Building without <laughs> adequate air conditioning are the studios of WCBN. Right. Not sure what's up with that. Yep. Maybe the vents are uh, are blocked. Just uh, like the funds yeah. to the uh, PLO administration were blocked by Israel and the United States. And, gee, now they're regretting... Uh, this is, a, is such a glaring example of incompetent, incoherent uh, Mideast policy where 
the concepts of this, uh, you know, sort of uh, Bush jihad uh, theory about bringing democracy to the Middle East seem to be a little askew. Um, obviously, the situation in Gaza is not good, has not been good, and it's uh, quite clear that uh, Hamas is in charge there. I've even heard renewed uh, discussions of creating two Palestinian states, one in which Hamas <clears throat> controls uh, Gaza and one in which uh, Fatah, the remnants of the uh, Yasser Arafat organization, control the West Bank. Who knows? Uh, but uh, asleep at the switch once again, the Bush administration. Well, certainly the infighting between Hamas and Fatah can only benefit Israel's position. Um, Which is probably why they uh, funneled funds to uh, Hamas so many years ago. Indeed. Yeah, that's uh, a little known fact. It is a fact um, back in the 80s. But uh, there's no need to to dwell on that. There's all sorts of ways in which this could have been prevented, but it's just not in the interests of the United States or Israel to prevent infighting amongst Palestinians. Just last week, I predicted that with uh, the weather and the climate being what it is, that we would see an explosive summer in the Middle East. And lo and behold, not too difficult a thing to predict, unfortunately. But... uh, Uh, The West overreacted when Hamas won a number of seats in the Israeli parliament. It wasn't so much a pro-Hamas vote as it was a frustration with the PLO and Mm -hmm. Fatah. Um, Corruption. Yeah, certainly uh, that there were were issues there of corruption and incompetence. And so Palestinian voters, like voters everywhere, I might add, will often vote for a party that's not particularly of their choice simply to register a protest vote. Mm -hmm. It's a common enough phenomena. It's part of democracy. And, of course, here's the great irony, is that the Palestinians were punished for practicing democracy. Um, I pointed out at the time that a number of political parties around the world have their origins in popular resistance movements uh, that is sometimes easily defined as terror organizations. Of course, the Likud party has its own historical antecedent in a couple of terror organizations. Mm -hmm. The Stern Gang, the Lehigh Group, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Groups involved in the kidnapping and murder of United Nations uh, representatives, uh, the blowing up of hotels. And yet Likud was allowed to develop and grow and evolve as a political party. Uh, Hamas... uh, for all their uh, hate language and problematic nature, deserved that same chance. Um, They were never given that chance, and so the entire enterprise was doomed from the get-go. Why you'd want to have two separate Palestinian states, one in Gaza, is beyond me. Gaza is essentially the world's largest refugee camp. It's Mm -hmm. a, a pit of human misery. It's the most densely populated region on the entire surface of the globe. Um, It's a human resources nightmare. And, of course, no fuel is coming in. Um, Food supplies are limited. People are trying to get out. And tax revenue was cut off some uh, many months ago, and this has exacerbated the situation for ordinary people, um, which, you know, interestingly, the Bush administration sort of sat by 
It's ironic, you know, I think last week was the 40th anniversary of the 67 war. Uh, Good cover story in The Nation magazine about that, by the way, strongly recommended. And it uh, strikes me as uh, also incoherent that a, quote, nation state can exist with two territories that are not contiguous. So some sort of arrangement needs to be made in in terms of the long-term thinking about uh, the so-called two-state solution, but uh, it's been the profound neglect of the Bush administration to the whole region's problems that are so glaring. Now, let's recall that uh, last summer when uh, the Lebanese conflagration erupted, um, very little was uh, said or done by the American government in response to the fact that over a 1,000 Lebanese uh, were killed uh, mainly by uh, Israel's uh, disproportionate use of force uh, based on trying to recover two soldiers. Um, Also, uh, I was uh, noticing that uh, in uh, late December of the past year, uh, Israel erected their first settlement in the West Bank uh, in some 10 years. Uh, New settlement, that is. So this uh, settlement problem, the the continuing problem of... uh, you know, the, the the fundamentals of the land debate. Uh, one Palestinian activist who's actually one of the so-called moderates that's uh, seeking some sort of uh, negotiated settlement once uh, pointed out that most of the disputes are fundamentally about land. And uh, there just is not uh, any uh, urgency um, placed by the Bush administration. Incidentally, in response to the West Bank settlements, uh, that were erected uh, in December, um, the American government scolded Israel, which sort of reminds me of uh, a parent scolding a child for putting their elbows on the table. Right. <laughs> Don't do that again. But, uh, yeah, the attitude of complacency is certainly uh, one that... Uh, the the Bush administration and I think the Israeli ruling party at the moment um, delude themselves into thinking that they have the luxury of complacence. Uh, this this quote here from the Israeli infrastructure minister Benjamin Ben Aliser really just speaks volumes. He oversees fuel supplies and said to the uh, army radio this uh, from an article in today's New York Times <clears throat> quote. We should simply increase the isolation of Gaza. I want to stop everything until we understand what is going on there. Wow. That sounds like let's ratchet up the human misery. Uh, Israel has, if they have understood what's going on in Gaza, they have never cared. And I don't think the American administration, Republican or Democrat, have ever come close to understanding what's going on in Gaza. So, sure. Good idea. Ratchet up the human misery. That's likely to make things better. Ah, uh, yeah. If you're into sado- sadomasochism. Yeah. Which uh, Donald Rumsfeld may know a thing or two about. <laughs> Interestingly, by the way, uh, I, I heard today on the news that Iraq is now viewed as the second most unstable country on the planet. Uh, Juan Cole, the distinguished uh, professor here at the University of Michigan, pointed out that uh, what America has accomplished in Iraq is they've created a failed state. And uh, many um, recent uh, reports just confirm this. Uh, We're talking here about 2 million refugees um, 
that have been created by the war. And I'm looking also at an article from the uh, 18th of April in the New York Times by Elizabeth Rosenthal. Uh, and this is basically uh, public health statistics released by the WHO a couple of months ago that uh, really are pretty amazing. Um, and, and this is a uh, uh, compendium of new public health statistics about Iraq. Um, there are obvious risks, she writes, of car bombs and other violence that now kill an average of 100 people a day, according to a report from the WHO Health Action in Crisis Group. But beyond that, there are a host of other problems created by years of conflict. Seventy percent of Iraqis lack regular access to clean water, and 80 percent lack toilets that do not contaminate water sources, according to the report. Um, of course, it goes on to um, point out all sorts of other uh, problems. For instance, the report cites the Iraq government as saying that almost 70% of critically injured patients die in hospital, hospitals in the hospital, because of lack of staff, drugs, and equipment. And um, these fundamental human problems in Iraq, these... Uh, Basic health statistics are part of the uh, fundamental reason that nothing in Iraq can succeed. There have been a number of letters to the editor recently, by the way, in response to a uh, editorial under the Other Voices uh, column by uh, Linda S. Brayman, an Ann Arbor resident. I don't know if you saw this, uh, this remarkable essay, but... Uh, <clears throat> This is a uh, true believer in the Bush cause. Oh, this this essay, yeah. This what, is just unbelievable. The headline again: "Liberals demanding military." It's like yeah. surrender monkey type of. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Rush Limbaugh uh, brainwashed uh, editorial. I, that's why other voices is an unusual characterization of the column. But I wanted to highlight a couple of her misconceptions, and give her brain damage awards for them. At one point, she writes. And, of course, it's an ad hominem attack against liberals. But she says, uh, she writes, obviously, talking about us liberals, they're not students of history or they would have learned from their disastrous decisions for Vietnam. Does it not bother them that as soon as we pull out, the Iraqi people will in all likelihood be subjected to the slaughter and terror that they had to endure under Saddam? <laughs> Well, first of all, we were in Vietnam for 30 years. Um, liberals were not the originators of the Vietnam policy. Uh, different presidents had different policies with respect to Vietnam. But I noticed that um, Vang Pao was in the news recently. Mm -hmm. He's been arrested in a... Uh, he's the former Laotian secret warrior that the American government was uh, funding uh, for many years where the United States uh, with air power killed an estimated 150,000 civilians uh, in Cambodia uh, which was a Nixon policy and I don't remember when he was called a liberal uh, we killed an estimated half million people uh, both in terms of military incursions and carpet bombing that was a fundamental policy of the American government 
Vietnam, of course, was complicated. Truman uh, was trying to prop up uh, French imperialism. Eisenhower turned it into a small-scale uh, sabotage operation in which uh, the American government uh, canceled the uh, Vietnamese uh, elections that were scheduled in, uh, as a result of Dien Bien Phu when the French were defeated militarily by the Vietnamese. We created a South Vietnam, the American government did, and then... Uh, Divided Vietnam <laughs> unilaterally, claiming um, that Ho Chi Minh could not take power because he was a communist. And then, of course, ca counterinsurgency, uh, chemical warfare, and other sorts of horrible things followed. Of course, the real war started uh, in early 1965 when Lyndon Johnson started Operation Rolling Thunder, which involved... Um, air power and the eventual deployment of half a million troops. Um, we had assassination squads that the CIA was involved in where we killed an estimated 30,000 people. Uh, many of these people were thrown out of airplanes. Later in the column, Miss Brayman goes on to uh, kind of associate war with freedom. She says, but this war for the Democratic leaders, she actually says Democrat leaders, which has brought some letters, Move on, daily costs and their ilk isn't about freedom for Iraq or even freedom from terrorism from America. It's about discrediting President Bush. In order to do that, they will do anything they can to hinder the war, even if it means that they cause our soldiers to be killed. They are Medea, who killed her sons because she hated Jason more than she loved her boys. Um, this is remarkable. Uh, the only people that are dying in Iraq are not the result of liberals. They're the result of Mr. Bush's policies. And to associate war with freedom, as many on the right have done throughout this war, is rather remarkable. War is about pain, suffering, famine, death, destruction, and organized murder. It has nothing to do with freedom. And uh, finally, she writes, liberals hate president, and discrediting Bush, by the way, uh, liberals don't need to discredit Bush. His own policies are successfully doing that. Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, he's a cowboy. Um, he got us into this war, and we're staying no matter what. We're staying the course. Till all the brush is cleared. Yeah. She says, uh, writes, liberals hate President Bush more than they love the U.S., Power is more important to them than the lives of our soldiers. This is just outright offensive. Um, liberals love America as much as conservatives do, I'm afraid. Uh, this is one of their misconceptions. This is part of the demagoguery that Republicans and conservatives have been using for quite some time. Uh, they cloak their sanctimonious self-righteousness in the American flag and the Bible two of the props that they use most frequently, and then they somehow connect this to love of America. Uh, actually, liberals love America as much as conservatives. They just think that the policy, uh, for example, in Iraq, as in so many other places, uh, is counterproductive, does not stand for American values, is actually a... Oh, just a total contradiction with what we believe America should stand for. So, um, well, and as you pointed out, as this war was beginning some years ago, that the future 
of the war and its, you know, the way in which it was pushed upon the country by the Bush administration. A lot would be determined about the future of the war, depending on Americans were going to be good Americans and stand up and question their government and ask why certain things were being done or whether or not they were going to be good Germans. And that's what this sort of conservatism, and let's face it, the word conservatism is as grossly misused as any in the political landscape. A lot of these people who call themselves conservatives are, in some cases, radical extremists. They are. Certainly not conservative. And to just simply say, anything my president does is good and is for the good of the country and for me and my family, that's being a good German people. And I... And I think that she also has a misunderstanding of liberal, uh, because liberals, of course, have actually stood for freedom uh, throughout their uh, political existence, uh, dating back to the, shall we say, I don't know that the term was used in ancient Greece or Rome, but it was certainly used during the Enlightenment uh, as a political ideology. And it is quite remarkable Uh, If you contemplate uh, staying in Iraq, I mean, General Petraeus actually, uh, to his credit, he's actually one of the more competent uh, military people that Bush has put into power, openly admitted we may be in Iraq for at least 10 years. Uh, The long war that Miss Brayman doesn't talk about, which was a policy concept developed under Donald Rumsfeld as part of the Pentagon's... uh, quadrennial review or whatever it calls actually uses a phrase called the long war Mm -hmm. they envision america being in iraq for 50 years that's why we're building the permanent military bases there so uh what we need is more transparency about what our real policies are in iraq Uh, do we intend to ever withdraw or are we going to pour uh roughly a hundred billion dollars into this uh, hopeless cause uh indefinitely Uh, For this period of time, if we stay in Iraq, by the way, for uh, as long as we did in Indochina, which was almost 30 years, uh, the first uh, American to die in Vietnam, incidentally, and I always like to remind this uh, fact, uh, as pointed out by uh, Stanley Carnow, was uh, was six weeks after VJ Day in 1945. CIA person, OSS. Uh, So the... uh, the clandestine spooks were up to mischief uh, from the get-go there uh, in Indochina, and it's unfortunate that most Americans don't know about this horrific history of Laos, the Plain of Jars, where um, civilians were actually bombed secretly for almost five or six years. It there were there were no um, reports coming out of this area of uh, the jungle. Uh, where this this bombing was taking place, and it's fa- uh, th- these these bombing operations were being um, operated out of Thailand, uh, Udorn military base. Um, chemical weapons were used uh, in Vietnam by the American government. Agent Orange. There are still lawsuits uh, regarding that, and um, the American taxpayer is still paying for Vietnam. Yep. It's in the defense budget. It's not in the defense budget. It it, it is in indirect ways, but it's in the VA budget. We're going to be paying for this Iraq debacle, Miss Brayman, for at least 75 more years. Uh, and uh, I certainly don't ever want anybody to associate freedom and war uh, with the same concept because they are not. Bush is confused about this as well. Uh, and that is uh, most unfortunate. 
Well, I'm sure Miss Brayman is driving around town on a hot, scorching afternoon uh, like today with her windows rolled up and her AC cranking. And I'd like to encourage people to uh, avoid the tendency to be an air-conditioned baby. Yeah, it sucks. It's hot outside. It's a drag. But uh, running your AC in the car only makes the problem worse in the long term. And uh, it's very expensive as well. You're going to burn through your petrol a lot more quickly. So just roll the windows down, tough it out. Yeah, it's muggy. It's Michigan. We live here. But just remember, it's a lot worse everywhere else. Yeah, like in Gaza or Baghdad, <laughs> where, by the way, it's according probably, to the New York Times... Probably 110 in Baghdad today. Iraqi journalist found dead in Baghdad as security lags. <laughs> so there you go. Security is lagging in Baghdad, despite the fact that uh, U.S. General says forces are moving into problem areas. Um that's been the surge. Well, there's been occasional progress. It's interesting. After this uh, unfortunate mosque bombing the other day, they imp- you know, imposed a curfew, and actually violence did go down for a couple of days. But uh, maybe that's the kind of freedom uh, <laughs> that we're bringing to the Iraqi people. Curfews. And, of course, you know, that was probably a sensible short-term uh, plan, but... Uh, <laughs> The, you know, I, I don't. I, I know that we're going to be in Iraq through the rest of Bush's presidency because the uh, Republicans in the Senate have the ability to block these votes, these uh, funding uh, issues, regardless of what uh, the Democrats attempt to do. And by the way, keep your eye on this because uh, this this blocking the vote concept. Because uh, right now they're debating a energy bill. Mm-hmm. And there could be no more important sort of long-term necessity for this country to confront uh, than energy. And, of course, what are the Republicans doing now? They're blocking um, energy um, proposals that the Democrats have come up on regarding renewable fuels. Uh, They pretty much want the uh, subsidies to continue uh, for the fossil fuel industry. And there are all sorts of uh, really mindless debates going on here. This ethanol plan that Bush is so big on is not a, not a solution for our energy problem. Um, we may actually, at the end of the day, use more fossil fuels creating all of this extra corn that we're going to be built uh, growing, uh, which, of course, is a nice subsidy for... Many of the red states uh, where corn is grown. Maybe a lot of re- problems associated with corn, though. Very yeah. uh, uses Bad. a lot of water, a lot of erosion, a lot of problems. And, of course, all those organophosphates, pretty much 80% of them end up in the Mississippi River, yep. uh, which uh, ultimately end up in the Gulf of Mexico. I don't know if they eventually create oil down there, but... <laughs> <laughs> in another million years. It might take a while. So uh, some of the uh, some of these energy proposals, this is something that the media really should be focusing on. They should be educating the American people about energy options. What are the pros and cons of various plans? Uh, what are the problems with uh, liquefying coal, for instance? Uh, what are the problems with nuclear power, uh, since that's a, a new uh, hot one out there for some on the uh, <laughs> on the conservative side, and even some liberals like Mr. Coburn. The Nation magazine and the global warming uh, debate. Um, there are obviously good things about nuclear power, um, but uh, there are many bad. 
and uh, the long-term consequences of the of the waste are problematic. Certainly, France and Japan have uh, improved some of the technology uh, regarding nuclear power, just to get off on this tangent briefly. But the bottom line is, what on earth is going on with actually getting these solar panels built, constructing the windmills if uh, where needed? Uh, it's, it, it's like there's this inertia problem. There's nothing really happening other than, you know, maybe California. Or Calgary. Uh, or, interesting article by Nomi Or Klein. Germany. Yeah. You know, which are mandating uh, the utilities create uh, certain percentages of renewable power by 2020. That's what needs to happen. Leadership. Um, but it's... Well, see, that's practical. Blocking, that, you know, yeah. it's blocking any sort of far uh, long-term solutions uh, that's basically locked in the past. We're going to continue to subsidize the fossil fuel industry. Why they need f subsidies, by the way, is is mind-boggling. I mean, they've profited from this. They are world Iraq shaping. War uh, than, more than anybody. Yeah, absolutely. And the price of oil, uh, by the way, uh, you know, might want to gas up tonight. Uh, more problems in Nigeria. The price, the global price of oil is almost up to $70 a barrel. It's looking like it's it's going to go up again probably tomorrow. There's violence in Nigeria. So, you know, some Italian uh, oil companies' uh, operations are down, and Chevron is uh, is struggling again. Interesting article by Naomi Klein in the June 18th uh, Nation magazine um, about this coal, uh, this tar rather in uh, Calgary that. Uh, can be harvested and heavily processed, turned into petrol. Um, the Financial Times has called this North America's biggest resources boom since the Klondike gold rush. This tar-like goo is mixed with sand, clay, water, and oil. There's approximately 2.5 trillion barrels of the stuff, and it, it amounts to uh, some of the largest hydrocarbon deposits in the world. Uh, very expensive to process, though, mm -hmm. of course. And so back when oil was selling for $20 a barrel, there was no point because it costs between 18 to $23 per barrel just in expenses to process this sludge. And, of course, it requires probably an enormous amount of fuel. Indeed it does. Natural gas is what's typically used to do this, and it also creates a large number of byproducts, which are then just dumped back into the hole that the sludge was uh, sucked out of in the first place. Well, now that oil is as expensive per barrel as it is, this stuff has become lucrative. And so here is the bizarre irony that uh, Ms. Klein points out here. 75% uh, of the oil from the tar sands of Calgary flows directly to the United States, prompting Brian Hall, an energy consultant with the Colorado-based IHS, to um, call the tar sands, quote, America's energy security blanket. There is a certain irony here, though. Uh, Naomi Klein writes, the United States invaded Iraq, at least in part, to secure access to its oil. Now, thanks partly to the economic blowback from that disastrous decision, it has found the security it was looking for right next door. Yeah. And of course, this is all a matter of convenience for the oil companies who, why bother uh, investigating or researching or developing alternate technologies when we can do the same old stuff and make more money? Well, and, and, of course, as the article 
properly points out, it's premised on a significantly higher barrel uh, price per oil of, of, of uh, petroleum. I mean, let's remember, before we invaded Iraq, oil was selling globally at $27 a barrel. I looked this up. It's now close to 70 um, of course, it's it's been even.